So, you're looking for something different. Well, you found it. Right here with expat entrepreneur Jewel Daniels. Pushing boundaries on the solopreneur journey, where we're all about learning to build beyond just business. Let's get it. Collaboration, sharing community. How can I support you? Can I introduce you to someone? That's how you know small businesses and solopreneurs will see growth. That's what we're all about here on the solopreneur journey. Empowering you to understand how to position yourself such that even during a crisis, you can find a way to build, grow, and sustain your business. So today, we're talking with Anne-Marie Cross of Communicate Now, P-T-Y-L-T-D, who is a remarkable brand strategist. So you want to know how to get your online business and your presence in a place that is even stronger? Keep listening. Here we go. I think the crisis has really put us to the test on the things that we say, but like you said, we haven't done with yes. the same level of seriousness. Um, yes. And I think every every difficult situation like this really forces you to pull out your creativity and your innovation. So you see some some great things come to the surface and things. Because I remember when Uber actually was 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 birthed, it was two colleagues, you know, I think they were in London at the time, trying to catch a taxi, couldn't get a taxi, they were frustrated. And yes. boom, here comes this great idea. And yeah. look at Uber, look at Uber Eats. Uh, so I think we're gonna see some really exciting businesses, ideas that come out of this. Uh, but, yes. but it's going to take a minute because people are just trying to survive right now. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Let's put greed aside. There is so much resource around the world, around the planet for everyone. Let's share it's it. It's so true. You know, and support it's so stuff. true. I, when I, I wrote a book, actually, um, about this crisis, and I was saying we are closer together than we are apart because what we're realizing is this this sense of collaboration is critical because we become so intermingled so interlocked in our ability to further and advance where we want to be that you've got to have this sense of codependency on each other um, you know you still have your independence and things of that nature but in order for you to be able to reach your greatest heights and your best of best, you have to have a sense of codependency that allows you to take advantage of each other's best, you know, yes. concepts, whatever it is, products, services. And I think people are so afraid about sharing. And I just really live by the belief what's for you is for you. Can't nobody take it from you. Can't nobody shake it, break it, <laughs> you know, whatever the case might be. And women in particular, collaborate like none other. So this is our chance to really do this thing and get it right, you know? Yeah, what's really exciting um, is that you've got some really big business, the big businesses who, you know, many people were talking about and saying, you know, admiring that have been literally shut down overnight. And, uh, you know, it, as you said, yeah. it gives people opportunities, the smaller, the smaller businesses opportunities and the innovators. And I think when we start to, to look at that, I would hope that for the businesses that were very much 
only for stakeholders and shareholders that they realise, look, it, it needs to be more open than that, you know. Um, the, the things that we used to measure our success on really is mm. invalid because it, it, it doesn't have that kind of, as you say, that, um, yeah, but the sharing nature and, and what they're doing if they're just keeping it all to themselves. So there's some exciting things ahead. And I love the way that you were talking about, um, you know, collaborating and, and sharing and that, that codependency, a codependency that is abundant because there's also yeah. a codependency where there's the real, um, and I think it, it's a disempowering codependency, if you will, that if it, if it keeps you stuck and then you're so codependent and it doesn't nurture kind of an innovation. How can we do this differently? How can we expand? How, you know, from that rather than, oh, well, I'm stuck and I need, you know, kind of here in Australia, a lot of people are looking to the government, which I understand. However, if it doesn't allow you to look like this, there's one thing that I have found when I'm interviewing with people from nations, developing nations. And I remember one interview I did with a, a gentleman and he would have been in his 40s, 50s maybe even and he was sharing a story and how he as a child was running different businesses and I said wow was that an entrepreneurial spirit that was that was born or nurtured or were you encouraged to do that and he said it was to put food on the table at the end of the day oh. for my family. and wow. I mean you know, wow. and, and that has just continued. Wow. And it's that nurturing, yeah. that, that um, nurturing of the entrepreneurial spirit that says, hey, if I can think of a new way and I can develop this and then I can share it with my family, my community, everyone yeah. wins. Take, 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 take. Does that make sense? Yeah. It does make great sense. And it's interesting you mentioned that. So tell me, did entrepreneurship find you or did you find it? Great question. I, I think a bit of both. It was nurtured and I think it was part of my nature. But I remember when I was growing up, I, I grew up with, a, with parents who came from Holland, you know, the Netherlands, and they grew up in the war. And so things were, were really, I mean, they celebrated, they got married and they had um, a cup of tea to be able to serve to all of the guests. And that was just an absolute thrill to have tea. But anyway, they really nurtured in, in, in me um, a carefulness about money, you know, being very mindful of money. And if I wanted money, I needed to earn it in some way. So I remember, I mean, the very first, I, I, I always joke, the first entrepreneurial story that I can remember was as a toddler, and I found a pair of my father's old dentures in the bedside. <laughs> and I immediately thought, two fairy money. And that night I thought that I was rich, you know. Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> and you can imagine that was my first failure, you know. There was nothing oh. there, old dentures. But, um, oh, that's and, so and lovely. You know, and there was kind of stories like that I was growing up. I remember when we moved to, because I was always looking for different ways to earn pocket money and things like that. But then we moved to a farm uh, when I was about 10 and we found some tadpoles in one of our neighbor's ponds. So we, you know, gathered them up, put them in plastic bag. And we stood on the side of the road um, mm. outside our farm and we sold those. And I think some poor gentleman, one of our neighbours probably felt sorry. He bought the whole lot, you know, and I think the small ones were one cent and the bigger ones were two cents. But anyway, I had multiple streams of income. 
um, when I was that, just a teenager, you know, I was doing babysitting, I was doing house cleaning for one of the families up the road, um, all these different things. But one of the main things that I had was um, selling manure because my parents knew that I wanted a horse and they said, well, if you want a horse, you need to contribute to that. You want, so, did you say a horse? A horse, yeah, a horse. Well, you know, that, that, that's, quite, that's quite special. Uh, most people don't have that as a want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. I really would love, you know, love to have a horse. And, and so I was able, you know, my parents um, bought one, but of course, if I needed things for it, and I contributed to that. And that really, uh, you know, my parents always said, look, things, little things such as, and they weren't entrepreneurs. Um, they were workers. My father was more of an inventor. He was an engineer. And, um, and this was in New Zealand because I immigrated to New Zealand. But it was really, you know, nurtured in me. And I remember him used to say to me, look, you've got less bags. You need to have lots of bags at the, you know, with a big sign. And because when people see that, they can, oh, I need some more. And so I made right. a lot of, yeah, pocket money that way. But, um, you know, kind of. Wow. So it was nurtured in me. Uh, you know, so from the time you were a child to um, where you kind of got bit by the entrepreneurial yeah. spirit to where you are now, how, how do you describe what you do and, 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 and what inspires you to do it, to keep yes. doing it? Yeah, well, you know, obviously, once I, I got older, I started working for organisations. And you may have heard of a term that's now called an intrapreneur. And that's when you've got this real innovative spirit, innovation spirit that works within an organisation. But whilst I love that, you know, I love finding out new ways, I got bored, got really bored. But thankfully, I worked for organisations that were smaller um, organisations, which meant that I was able to get experience across a lot of different areas, you know, bookkeeping, office administration, setting up new computer systems, because I, back in the day when things were done manually, you know, and I still remember doing a whole set of books manually and an accountant said, can I have the printout? And I said, there is no printout. He said, well, how did you do this? I said, in my head, because <laughs> I learned bookkeeping and accounting, you know, the double ledger right. So that really gave me a great insight into to business. And so I've always loved that. And I remember when I uh, had my first child, left the corporate world, but I always felt, you know, itchy feet, you know, what next? I mean, love being a mother, but always loved new projects, learning new things. So I went continue to continued on my studies, you know, night school. And, um, and I said to my husband, he actually said to me, if we bought you a computer, how, you know, how would that be? Would you be able to um, start working and doing some work from home? And it started off as a secretarial service, continued studying. And um, I, I kind of um, pivoted from accounting to human resources. And that led me to do career coaching and, and consulting. And, you know, the, the rest is history. The, the career industry was when I started my first podcast in 2008 and um, been podcasting ever since. And, of course, gone full circle. And now that's how I support other clients in starting up their own podcast media platforms. But I've always loved learning. Always yeah. love learning. Don't don't sit still, you know, even if things are yeah. working well. Yeah. How can we improve them? How can we do things differently, you know? Yeah. And um, there's so many technologies, and I love that. I, I'm probably one of those weird people that actually do like change 
because change yeah. for me means new creative opportunities, you know, problem solving. Uh, yeah. So. It does. I know, I, I know some people think that it's a, a six-letter cuss word, C-H-A-N-G-E. However, yeah. you know, people rail against it because it's the unfamiliar and they're not sure how they're going to fit in the equation. And sometimes people will say, well, why does it have to change if it's not broken? You know, we don't have to fix it. But sometimes it's a matter of doing it better. Yes. And, you know, for example, we, we had... You, you can identify with this. You remember when we when we made phone calls when we were younger and we would push the button and some of us would stick our, our finger in a hole and a little da 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 da, da <laughs> to make a call. And, you know, that worked fine. And then mm -hmm. all of a sudden this man came along and he said, well, how about a phone that you can carry or how about a phone you can put in the car? And I, yeah. I remember... I don't know if you remember, I remember my first bag phone and thinking I was, yes. I was something special. <laughs> uh, I remember the first, it's interesting because I remember first, I remember even remember as a child, the first time we got a phone installed and it was one of those, what do you call it, dial-up phones, I guess. Anyway, um, mm -hmm. but the first time uh, one of my, the CEOs, you know, for a smaller business that we worked for had a mobile phone in his car. And it was one of those phones that you kind of had to hold with two hands. <laughs> it was quite big, you know. They were really big. And they had to carry around like a backpack or something like that. Yes.
own, oh, uh, yeah. the wife, you know, uh, that yeah. I am today because it's in the hardships that's developed the strength and the tenacity and the resilience that I needed mm -hmm. to see through because when we are small businesses, we have small problems. They're not going to go away. There are paradigm shifts that we're going to meet, you know, mindset shifts that we're going to need to develop. And, you know, the bigger the business, the larger the problem too. And often we have team, a lot of team. And so there's other, you know, individuals that are going to be impacted by the decisions that we make. And I know for me, I would want to have that character to be able to have a strong team and be able to make decisions in that way. And I know myself, if I look back over the last five years, I'm not the person that I was back then. And I think sometimes impatience, we want things now, we want things now. Because a lot of things that we have in our fingertips now in business and life, it's immediate, I think, isn't right. it? But sometimes it can shape in us that desire that we want things really quickly too. And so for me, it's building that patience muscle, that resilience muscle. And I think that's important. I mean, goodness knows, it's coming really handy when we've been in lockdown over the last few months, for sure. So, Anne-Marie, so tell us more about your business. We, we've been talking some, for some time about these different tenant styles that relates to business. But tell me, tell our listeners a little bit more about what you do and how you found your way to doing it. Yes. Well, at the moment where I'm supporting people is something that really draws on that career experience and that, that I was helping professionals and executives. And that's really understanding their unique personal brand, their distinguishable aspects of themselves, that when you, they bring that out in a message and in content and the things that they share, that really positions them as a trusted authority in their field. So it's really about the messaging, it's about positioning, but then it's also looking at you know, their business foundations so that they create a business that can grow. And we, we know all have heard that, that word scale, but it is. It's really building the key foundations that you can create a solid business around to bring team into. Some of those core foundations uh, I talk about is really understanding your niche. And I think that that's so important now because so many more businesses are online, which is great. You know, because that means many more clients, particularly if we're doing B2B, more clients there too. But it also means that we need to reevaluate our messaging and our positioning. Are we really honed in to that niche where we can position ourselves in that category of one to that audience of one who we know will continue to grow? Mm -hmm. Your signatures, you know, your signature brand, signature system, which is your IP. Um, you know, all of these things are important. Your programs, different offerings. I know a lot of coaches that I support, they don't have a suite of offerings that they mm -hmm. can offer their clients, which means they often hit burnout because there's only so many hours in a day that they can support right. clients. So there's different, you know, models and, and it suits the individual. I've got one client who said, I can't think of anything worse than doing a membership program because she's a real creative. So well, don't run membership programs. Do something that's very much only a certain time frame. So it also depends on the individual. But then it's taking that message and then developing a podcast platform on top of that. You know, I often say to people, Jewel, is, you know, people often come to me because they want to start a podcast as a way to overcome a challenge that they're not getting enough reach and they're not getting enough clients. 
And when we take a step back and look at their message and do a bit of an order on it, the message is not even working in how they're sharing it online anyway and networking. So I say to people, there's no point starting a podcast because it's only going to amplify the message that you're sharing already. And if it's not working now, it's not going to work on a podcast. In fact, it's going to, dis- it's going to um, probably distract people and may even do a little bit of damage to your personal brand because you're sharing a message that just doesn't make sense. And you're going to have to wow. do backtracking, you know, to, to fill in the gaps. So do the callback foundations first. Mm-hmm. When you, things are starting to move and you see there's interest there, then let's put a podcast strategy on top of that. And, and then once that's there, we then help them build that out even further because some of them want to become authors, some of them want to become speakers, some of them want to incorporate webinars and, you know, I've got a lot of incredible uh, other experts who we can refer to or we can support them, what I call building out your podcast profit pipeline, which really is a solid integrated marketing system but that generates leads and that's a mm-hmm. system that we teach. Mm-hmm a podcast that generates leads or nurtures listeners into leads inquiries and ultimately customers from their very first episode so and then everything else is integrated uh, around that that is so brilliant i mean there was so much that you said that um really was striking to me because i, I decided to start this podcast after writing my, my my book three sides of every crisis and many people said to me this book is great, you know, it's, it was targeted for a, definitely a certain level of, of, of business, um, you know, structure or business continuity of people who are more stable. But I told them, I said, a lot of the principles in the book are applicable to you as a small business person. You're, you're, you're reading past the words and, you know, and not getting the nuggets. And, and it made me think about when I was a solopreneur, when I was a, you know, a one person band and had my single shingle shop, and uh, I said, you know, when I, when I wrote the other book about, you know, solopreneurship and how it's so critical to, to have to collaborate, that's the only way you're going to make it mm-hmm. as, as, a, as a solopreneur. And in this climate, you find so many people who are starting businesses right? Because that usually happens because people start getting pressed and they realize that they have these wonderful ideas that they, they sat on the shelf and, you know, it's like, okay, let me take it off the shelf now. Or they're just forced into doing something different and they stumble upon or, you know, mm-hmm. something wonderful. Or they're able to partner with someone to do something wonderful and they just don't know how. And it was so striking when you said about you may be amplifying what the problem is and that can do damage to your brand that that is extraordinary uh that's something that i think most people who are going into business don't don't think about it um what's the one thing you would give advice to a solopreneur to do when they are trying to pivot from perhaps their job they've been downsized as many people have been and they decided they want to start you know, a business? Mm-hmm. What's the one mm-hmm. thing that you would say? You to know, a lot of times what we have found, and I have found this too, myself thinking or assuming that we need to have all of the things in place, all of the things, a website, you know, business card, all of those things. But I would say when you're starting off in business, particularly, you know, we talk about this gig economy and, yeah. you know, I've, I've, that's, I've always followed my clients and, and kind of always kept a finger on the pulse of what are the needs 
and the immediate needs of my ideal clients. So if someone is looking to start a business, do not think that you do not need a podcast and people might think you're turning away business. Well, guess what? I would rather see someone build up a solid business, do it slowly and you can do that. So don't think you need a website. Don't think you need this and this and this. You don't at all. What I would do is start with what you know. There may be a specific area that you've really excelled in in your, in your career. It's a real strength of yours. So what you need to really start to do is research and find people, individuals, organisations, other businesses, maybe start with your close community and identify where their greatest need is and how you can support them. And guess what? Start supporting people. Start putting together some ways that you can help them. And then what you're doing is you're starting to create some success stories. And I think in this particular climate, your greatest, greatest method of getting visible is through recommendations. You know, and say, well, do you know anyone else? Yeah. And then you can start. Don't just devalue all of that, you know, the contribution. Start looking at, well, how can I capture that? How can I document that? And then start talking about sharing that, you know, on social. Because people will often then start to read your content and you're, you're letting them help you determine how you're going to shape that message. But then never, you know, never devalue the, the, the ask. You know, that's something that I've learned too. When you've supported someone, ask them, is there anyone that I can support in this area with you in your community? Or think about some people that you um, that you specifically know that you want to be introduced to and start to do that. Plant the seeds, have conversations. I've been doing that over the last number of months myself. And I'm starting to recognize that it's about, you know how we are told we, we do a 90-day plan? Well, yeah. I've seen seeds that I'm nurturing and the, the, the momentum that I have been building over the last 90 days is starting to generate, you know, fruit. I can see that happening in the, in the, the clients that are coming to me. So don't, you know, don't discredit planting seeds, even if it may not turn into business, because that person that you've just spoken to in two weeks time, they have a conversation with someone else that mentions mm -hmm a need for, you know, for something that you've done. And if you're sharing content online, that's especially on LinkedIn, I think LinkedIn is a really great platform. I, I, that's how we connected, isn't it? You know, yeah, find the is. platform yeah. where you know your ideal client is going, and your connections, because we've, we've been talking about collaboration. Go where you know that you can collaborate, share, um, support one another. You don't need to be across all platforms. In fact, you know, I think we need to go deep and we need to go really narrow, narrow and deep. And, uh, and then you'll start to, your, your name will start to be passed along. And, uh, and that's what I would suggest to, for people to start. Yeah. I love that you share that. And, and it's funny you say, um, keep your finger on the pulse, because that's something I've been saying for years. So it tells us we really have a, a kinship, you know, <laughs> a like mind, like spirit here. Uh, but I love how you said, go deep and not go wide. Because I will say, for me, that was one of my struggles, especially when it came to social media. There's so much coming at you. It's kind of like the original Windows thing, you know, when all the windows are flying at you when you open the, the computer. Yes. And what I found was I became so overwhelmed by trying to figure out Instagram and should I be on Reddit and LinkedIn and Facebook and mm -hmm. And then a very good friend, like you said, you have to use these partnerships and these relationships that 
Jewel, focus in on which gives you the greatest results and where you're most comfortable. Because the yes. truth of the matter is, you'll keep fighting it, which is what happened with me. I was fighting it, so you know it causes you not to be consistent. And I think that's very good advice. But especially in this climate, I think people will probably struggle with the planting the seed and waiting for what will grow from that mm-hmm. seed because they're so desperate. They want to answer the answer now. They want results now because people are in such a particular state of struggle and not sure, you know, what, what to do to do next. What mm-hmm. have you been able to do to pivot in this climate? Yeah, I, I pivot a lot. I'd have to say that I'm one of those people because I love learning, you know, and so I have done all of the things that I now say to people, don't do this because I've been there, done all of the mistakes. And so one of the biggest lessons that I learned, particularly in pivoting, was to do it intentionally and to do it strategically. And so when we're talking about going deep and going, you know, really narrow, that is what you will want to be doing with your message. Now, it does not mean that as entrepreneurs, you mean, you may have, we talked about multiple streams of income. So what that means is, and, and I, I used to use a term, it's not, not something I coined, but in the career industry, we used to call that a portfolio career. So you may have had a contract job, you may have had some, um, you know, um, uh, volunteer work, you may have had, you know, these different things. That is fine. So when you're just starting out, I mean, if there's opportunities where you can do a project work for someone, do that because that's going to generate income. And you know, when you've got some things coming in, you don't have that kind of worry about where, where's the next pay coming right. from. But what you right. want to do is to be mindful about what you share online, because that project oh. that you currently have could be a stepping stone to what will become, you know, future next big projects thing. or skills, but it may yeah. not be necessarily what you want to start to disclose online because people will start to see you as that person. I'll give you an example. I remember when we started our very first podcast, that was back in 2008, and that was when only some of the social media platforms were coming out. But my colleague and I, because it was a co-hosted one, we loved the tech. I love I love bright and new shiny objects. So we were sharing and using Facebook and Twitter and all of those things. And then a lot of the colleagues in my close-knit circles here in business would say to me, look, we love what you're doing. Can you come and teach us? I went, sure. And so unbeknownst to me when I was going, because I was happy to share content, all of a sudden I started to develop a reputation as that social media person. And then I was being, you know, mentioned in the top, this is in the top, this is many years ago, of course. And then people started to say to me, can you support us in launching our social media? And I'm thinking, well, actually I don't help people do that. That's not my gig. I'm just, so I realized that I watered down my own message. So be very uh... careful, narrow it deep with your message, help out. But that's when I turned down some of those. I said, well, look, I know someone else who can speak into it because what you're speaking into and what you're sharing, you will often create a need because people will see and they want to help you. And if you don't have a way to be able to support them, because that's just not where you want to position yourself. Um, And it takes a lot longer to reframe and reclaim ownership of a space. um, Really clearly to begin with. So that's the biggest lesson. If you want to pivot and, and that's why I intentionally, for many, many years, I stopped talking about personal branding and everything. I just spoke. Everything was under the umbrella of podcasting. Mm. People had already started to call me, you know, the podcasting queen. 
years before that because you know podcasting back then wasn't really a thing and I'd had multiple podcasts but then I thought you know what if I really want to position it and, and a kind of a business structure and a model behind that I need to be intentional and that's what I did and now I'm opening it up a little bit more and bringing in more of the branding but it's under that one umbrella statement mm. of you know, build your reach, your reputation and revenue with your Thought Leader podcast and all of the other things that I bring, un- in, you know, to the table fits under that umbrella. So that's that's what I would uh, give it, share as an insight. I think that's that's great advice, um, you know, because people are just looking for, for, for answers and part of what I do is my day job, you know, I own a global leadership development company and we had to pivot as well. And it found us having to do a lot of career transition um, coaching with people who were being downsized, you know, separated yes. from their jobs and things of that nature. And I was just so thankful that my, I had the type of clients that were willing to do that. Because a lot of folks yes. just let you go and, and, and you're out on your own. And it was a matter of you know, it was just very interesting, the conversations, what people were looking for, what they were expecting. And uh, I think we haven't even touched the tip of the the mental and emotional impact. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this- get support, you know, surround yourself with people who will, will be there. You know, sometimes you you just need an ear you don't necessarily need advice or anything like that or sometimes you know the 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 best intentional friends will often say things or colleagues may say things that are not really very helpful but recognizing though often especially yeah, well, if we're yeah. uh, especially if we're in an industry or if we're providing a service where really it's wrapped up in who we are. You know, often I say, you know, people ask me, why do you do what I do? It's just who I am, you know? And so when something falls flat or there's a failure, we take that personally, don't we? We've got to realize that, hey, uh, this is an opportunity and often when we um, listen to negativity or, or we're you know so focused on but there is a healing there's a stage that we need to go through to let go um, and that's really important to get that support but recognizing that it has nothing to do with you the skills the experience that you have and it's the skills and the experience that you have and often the things that we haven't recognized in ourselves as being our greatest strengths because often it comes quite naturally, that is going to be the platform upon which you can now pivot and really continue to, to contribute. And I think if we often get stuck in the what could have been and all of that, mm. we, we forget to mm. recognise that. And mm. so take some time. For me, you know, journaling was really important. And as we said before, keep your finger on the pulse because there's evidence out there of where you can support, best support, best show up using the skills and the strength and, you know, the, the journey that you have walked previously, the challenges that you've overcome. You have got the, you know, you are the link in someone's broken chain, but you need mm. to go out there and find that and do the research, have the conversations and, uh, yeah, the evidence is there. You just need to kind of mine for that, you know, and, uh, and, and then th- that's the next step. And remember, too, and I think this is really important, that, that patient, that, you know, where you are now and where you're contributing to may be the greatest stepping stone to the next, you know, the next phase, uh-huh. the next season. And, you know, life is a journey. And that's exactly why we call this the solopreneur journey. 
Because yes. I think very often people don't realize, um, my sister taught me this when I would go through my stages of frustration. She said, listen, life is a journey, not a destination. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> you and know, so, and it was so helpful. When I, this, when I get there, then I'll be this. And it's like, well, what about right now? Celebrate where yeah. you are, you know? Celebrate yeah. every little win, small, big or small, celebrate them all because it's contributing to who you are and how you can contribute to the world. And that, you know, and I'm going to pick up on this point that you made. You said that journaling helped you. And to me, that's an example of a small win. So many times we're looking for the big win, the big wow, the big contract, but the small wins will add up. So when you're going through something difficult like this, journaling and finding something that feeds you that's positive is your small win that will help you kind of get through this because yes. it continues to add good feelings as you're waiting for that breakthrough. Mm. That thing that they're affirms that you're on the right path, you're doing the right thing. And, and you're so right. You just nailed it so well when you said that, you know, you plant the seeds and it takes time for those, those, those seeds to, to bear fruit. You know, a tree doesn't grow overnight. And my journey, it's funny. And it was such an amazing experience because my mother's American and my father's side of the family is from the West Indies. And I remember one day I was um, carrying out, you know, the, taking the trash to the curbside and didn't realize, but some seeds apparently had fallen out of the bag. And a matter of weeks later, I see something growing up out of the crack. Okay, you know, it's a weed. And before I knew it, this seed had a bud. I mean, this, this leaf had a bud and the bud turned into a watermelon. And I could not believe how, you know, but it was because the ground was so fertile. Had I dropped that seed in that dirt in America. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been blown away by the, the wind. Yeah, yeah. Nothing, nothing would have come. And I share that story to say, when you talk about that, it's, you plant the seed, but it's, it's making sure that it's in fertile ground and that you've got the things in place properly as you as you've talked about earlier like doing the right things that's going to bring about the right results for you and not just trying something and, and because it seems like it's, it's the next new thing or, yeah. or you've heard about it and and you think it's going to add value but not really doing the due diligence to understand how it will add add value so my I last love that. question I guess, something came to me as you're sharing that story jewel which is beautifully aligns with the whole seed analogy we need to be mindful that we're watering the right seeds and not the weeds because something's going to grow what are you going to grow the seeds or the weeds <laughs> oh that's beautiful absolutely oh wow that's so I, I, I'm just stuck on that. I'm, I'm just, yeah. kind of, you know, <laughs> but that's what happens when, when you have, you know, like-minded people together, you have these ideas, you create the story, the story's unfolding the whole way through. And like, that's the beauty of entrepreneurship and innovation and thinking, allow yourself to, to, um, you know, go to places that you may not have even thought were possible and all of a sudden you end up going, wow, I'm so glad, you know, I, I can now, I mean, we're obviously running out of time. I've got an interview coming up in a minute, but, you know, my worst business failure has become the best thing that ever happened to me because it oh. really 
put my feet to the fire to say, now, what wow. are you going to do? Are you going to really just knuckle down, double down on what you know to be true? You're going to do the, you know, and, and so from that, it has really led me on to the journey with so many insights, many that I'm sharing with you today and have that. Uh, and, and so, you know, for some of you, even though you might be right in the midst, you know, there's hope and possibility, even in the deepest, in, you know, of despair that you think everything that I built has just crumbled, which happened for me. But I look back and say, you know what? I thought that that was great. But that was just the beginning of what I now see unfolding. And had I got stuck in that moment, I would not be with you you here today having this conversation. Yes, absolutely. Oh, I thank you so much for sharing that um, with, with us. Please tell us um, how our listeners can reach you. I, I know that my experience in listening to your podcast has been absolutely phenomenal. So I thank you for what you have been sharing. So I want them to now listen and follow and learn as I have. So please share that information. Yeah, absolutely. So the best place to go um, and find the podcast is just to go to our podcast network, Ambitious Entrepreneur Network. Uh, dot com. There's a number of different podcasts. I'll, I'm going to be starting my Women in Leadership coming up to, which is a podcast that I started after my worst business failure ever. And um, and that's the best place to, to listen to the podcast. But if people want to reach out to me, um, annemariecross.com is uh, where I hang out. And then, of course, on LinkedIn, connect with me on LinkedIn too. It has been such a, a, a pleasure being with you. And I love that you talked about failure because my mother taught me, she said, you know, nothing beats a failure, but no try at all. And so your, your best failure turned into, you know, your worst failure turned into your best business. And that's what happens when you continue to try. And that's what we need for our tenacious solopreneurs. So I thank you for being here with us so very much. Uh, thank you for sharing and continued success. It is always a pleasure to be here with you on the solopreneur journey. Make sure you visit our website where you can join us as a member and take advantage of online courses, our newsletter, coaching services, and so much more. That's www.thesolopreneurjourney.net. And our next episode coming up celebrates Black History Month in the UK, where we will feature Rudy Page. Keep listening. It's been another great time spent with you. Thanks for joining this episode of the Solopreneur Journey with expat entrepreneur Jewel Daniels, where we love being your ear candy. Let us hear from you by dropping a note at www.thesolopreneurjourney.net. Remember, you may be working on your single shingle enterprise, but you're not alone. See you next time when we push boundaries to build beyond just business.